Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. and everlasting father we just thank you for every opportunity that we have to come into your presence and even right now as we come to look into your word to learn from what you have provided for us in the scriptures we just want to acknowledge you and just to praise your holy name we are grateful grateful for all that you have done for us grateful for everything that you are doing for us. We are just so, so grateful. And so we say thank you, Heavenly Father. Sometimes, Father, things don't go the way we want it to go, but because we have you as our Father, the Almighty God, the All-Powerful God, the All-Knowing God, the One who can do and undo, we know that the end will definitely be good for each and every one of us. So we say thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your provision. Even thank you for the hard times. And thank you for the good times. We know there are times of preparation. And we're grateful to you. And we say thank you. We praise your holy name, for there is no one like you. You loved humanity from the very beginning. And from then on, oh Father, you have demonstrated your love to each and every one of us. You are the great God. You made a plan right from the very start. And you executed that plan. And no matter what the wicked one did, he could not stop the plan. Indeed, in fact, you actually even used him. For had he known, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. We praise you, Father. We praise you for all you have done. We honor you for the works of your hands. When we look into the skies and see the clouds, the heavens, the stars, everything that your hands have made, we just marvel at the awesome magnificence of of your creation, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding that you have displayed in the heavens and on the earth. We just exalt you, O oh God. We exalt you. We magnify your holy name. And you, O oh Father, through the magnificent way in which you do things, you rescued us, O oh God. You rescued us from our predicaments. We were lost in sin, but you saved us, O oh God. And you continue to save us. You perform all kinds of miracles and deliverance for us, some we're aware of, some we're not aware of. That's why we praise you. That's why we honor you, because you are good and your mercies endure forever. Thank you so, 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 so much, our Heavenly Father. Thank you for everything that you have done. And thank you for not leaving us, for, for not leaving us without comfort. Thank you for giving us the comfort in the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Father. Uh, you've taken care of all things. You've covered all the bases, as, as, as we say. So we just praise your holy name. 
Who is like unto you, O God? And who can compare with you? There is none, none like you, none besides you. So we bless you and praise you. Even as we focus on your word tonight and this evening, Lord, we just say thank you for even taking the time to document it for us in the Bible and preserving it throughout the years, despite the attempts of man to destroy it, to discredit it, you have preserved your word so that we today can look into your word and learn of you. Father, we are grateful and we say thank you. Blessed be your holy name. Be glorified tonight, O God. Bless the ears that hear and the mouth that speaks, O Father. I yield myself to you, Heavenly Father. It is not I who must speak, but you, O Father, who must speak. And so everything that you have led me to prepare, I hand it over to you. And I ask that you and you alone, O Father, you speak. Let us learn of you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So once again, welcome everyone. Good evening. Welcome. Welcome to today's Bible study. And before we start, I'm going to ask us to pray one prayer just for a few minutes. And it's taken out of Luke chapter 24 and verse 45. It's Luke chapter 24 and verse 45. And the scripture says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, and it says, And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. This was Jesus Christ and the disciples after he had risen. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Can I ask that we all individually ask the Lord to open our understanding tonight, that we will understand his scriptures. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we see what you did with your disciples, with the apostles, as it is recorded for us in Luke chapter 24 and verse 45. We come as your disciples also, Father, and we ask, open our understanding that we may comprehend the scriptures. Holy Spirit, please rest upon each and every one of us and open our understanding that we may understand the scriptures. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's start. Last week, um, when we, we, we did the Bible study last week, we looked at the scripture um, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So just as a, as a, uh, as a recap of what we did last, um, or what we looked at last, um, last week, um, um, we, we talked mainly about witness, okay? And we looked at how the scripture has used the word witness and in the contexts in which it has used the word witness. And we saw that there were five contexts, at least that we could pick out, there may be more, um, um, but 
those were the five that I was able to pick up from the from the scriptures. There is a divine context where one bears witness on behalf of God, i.e., they um, through them God does things and demonstrates His greatness, His power, His glory, His majesty. Right. So there's a divine context where it is uh, uh, so someone um, does or manifests or testifies in a way bears witness of God that uh, in, in God's glory and God's majesty. There is a judicial context as we saw as well where one testifies or one who bears witness and this is more in the case of a court of law or in a judicial context where it could be for or against like bearing witness against them um, as Jesus said is he doesn't come to judge but Moses the whom they believed is the one who would stands as a witness against them. Um, and so um, we see there's a judicial context for our witness. Um, there's a historical context, and this is really just about being present there. So an eyewitness account, I was there, I saw it, this is how it went down that kind of context, the historical context. Um, and again, these, these words, divine context, judicial context, historical context, they're my words. They're not any theological thing that somebody does somewhere, but they're my words. Um, it's the way I, I have found to be able to describe um, the, the, the witness or the testimony or the testifier okay there's also a doctrinal context uh, and this is one who testifies about the doctrine or about what they know um, which is probably the place where we most almost all of us operate uh, because we can tell about uh, what we have read we can tell about the scriptures we witness to people to let them know what god has done the love of god we do that so we we tend to do or operate a lot more in the doctrinal context and there is a sacrificial context of it which basically is martyrdom where one dies for or gives up or um suffers uh, violence or some of some kind for um, for um, for the for the Lord in 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 this case in this context. So we looked at those, and I'm only recapping on those um, because we continue from there this week as we go on. We also looked at the uh, the witness of Peter and John. We looked at the witness of Jesus as well. We looked at Peter and John, mainly using the scripture in Acts chapter 3 and verse 4. And I'm not going to go through all of it, but it's just as a reminder. And Acts chapter 3 and verse 4 and chapter 4, um, we're talking about the man who was at the gate beautiful. And we looked through that as well to understand how they sort of walked in all the five um context in that just just that one account in the scripture okay today we are going to look at something slightly um what i call the walk of a witness um this is a this is a hard one and a challenging one for for me um because um to find the right words uh they they were a bit challenging but hey let's go let's see what we have okay so Two questions. Having looked at the witness and looked at the five contexts, and okay, 
why what does that mean what ha what, what have i what is it that i have that i can use as a witness you know and the second question that uh, occurred to me was that okay so what do i need to do to become a witness am i just a witness just because i am born again or am i a witness when i actually do um witness to Christ. And the, I, I wouldn't profess an answer to it, but I think that um, we become a witness when we actually begin to manifest and begin to testify of all the things that we know, whether it is in the doctrinal context or whether it's in the historical context or any other context, we, be, we become a witness when we do so. I think personally, and I may be wrong, um, I don't know all things, I just know what I know. I think that there's a difference in being born again and being a child of God and then being a witness. I think that's a step of someone who is actually acting on something in that respect. But uh, that, that splitting hairs uh, and not necessarily um, need to be concerned about because it's my own opinion rather than um, anything of fact. But let's consider these questions. What have I been given? What do I have that I can use in my witness? What, what have I been given? What is mine? And I'm sure most of us already know this, so this will be a reminder in many cases in there. The first one is, is eternal life. Eternal life. Yeah, and when I say eternal life, I'm, I use John three sixteen as a means of focusing our minds, but that's not really where where I'm going. We know that um, if we believe um, in 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 Jesus, we receive eternal life in there. What does that translate to? Some of the things that we can pick out in scripture, and there are many more scriptures that we could use, but I'm only just picking a few because of time and the con the not the con the contents that we have today. Um, so um John chapter one, verse 12. John chapter one, verse 12, and he talks about um um this was this was um John introducing us to Jesus, and and he talks about him that he came. Right, he said he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him and welcome him, he gave the authority. And I, I like the amplified version because it helps us to understand. Sometimes when we hear authority, it sound it's it's we think, okay, that's the that's the um um capacity to 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 um, to lead or to take charge of something in itself. But actually, this talks about a privilege or a right. It's a right. He gave us the right. By believing in him, he gave us the right to become children of God. He gave us the ability or the power. So he gave us something. And the scripture uses the word power. In the King James Version, in the New King James Version, uses the word authority in there because the word there was exousia, which is the Greek word, is one of the Greek word for Greek words for power, exousia. And is but that talks about authority more than might or strength uh, in itself. In so we have we have the that we've been given that right that 
And I, I see this from a legal context. So no one can accuse us uh, of claiming anything because we've been born again and we've been given that legal right to be children of God. So we have that legal right. So we can stand anywhere and before anyone, including the devil, and we can we have a right to be called to become children of God because that's been given to us as a result of our believing and receiving eternal life. The other thing there that I um, wanted to point out is intimacy. And we see that, not so obviously, but it's something that I, 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 I was ministered to me, intimacy in John chapter 17 and in verse 3. Um, and this is, what, this is what the scripture says. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. They may know you. That word, know, there used in that scripture is epigenosco. And it means, that's the Greek word, and it means to have, um, not, it's, it, it's, it's not a perception, it's to have absolute knowledge, absolute knowledge of something. So you know that you know that you know that you know. It's no no, no doubts, no perceived, maybe I think, my, I, I sense, no, it's an absolute knowledge in there. And for me, that speaks of intimacy, because when you know a person intimately, you know them. Every other person is an acquaintance, but that knowledge that you have of that person makes you intimate with that person. So those are two things. Um, from, from, from the eternal life's perspective, two things to highlight that we have already. So as witnesses, we know who we're talking about. We know who we're talking about. We know we have a legal right to, to talk about him or, to, to, or to, 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 be, to, to represent him in any way. Okay. So moving on, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that we have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing, all spirit, nothing is left out of it. Everything is in it. So I thought it would be useful, instead of just leaving it as everything and us trying to, okay, what does that mean? What's everything? I thought maybe I'll, you know, pick our interest a little bit by just talking, looking at some of those things that um, is included in the spiritual blessings, everything. One of those is glory. Yeah, one of those is glory. And thanks to, um, thank you, Pastor Derele, for that wonderful, awesome sermon yesterday, where she just took that right out. And I mean, you can, well, I'm sure some of you heard my voice as I was um, busy supporting her in, in church yesterday during the service, because, uh, yeah, it resonated with me. And you can imagine having been preparing for this and knowing I was going to talk about this and then she talks about it as well. It was just, it was just, just joy for me anyway. So glory, um, John chapter 17, verse 22. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them. And I picked this version because of that word very, just so that we know, because sometimes we might think that, okay, the glory, he gave us some of his glory, but Jesus is saying here, the same glory that the Father gave him is given to us. 
So we have that. Now, I know some of us may be thinking, well, me, I don't see it in, 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 in my life. Hold on a bit. It's part of the spiritual blessings that have been given to us. We have it. It is there. It is there. It's ours. Uh, Jesus wouldn't say it if he didn't, if it wasn't true. So let's settle that. We have it. He's given us the same glory that he gave, that the Father gave him. Another thing that I wanted us to look at or to think about is position. And I use the word position because um, being before God is a position. Yeah? When we look at um, the Revelation chapter 4, and it describes the scene in heaven where you have the four and twenty elders before him you have the four living creatures before him you have the hosts of the angels before him they are positioned all of them positioned in a way as to have proximity and access to him and so are we we are called, and I used this one here, but we also have the scripture that tells us that we are seated in Christ Jesus. But here, I've used this particular one because we are priests and kings unto him. So we serve in that capacity as part of our witness as kings and priests in there. Yeah. So this is part of all the things that we have that have been given. It's not to for us to go and get. It's already been given. We have it. It's ours. The other thing we have is authority. And I'm sure most of us know we have authority. Yeah. So I'm not going to go into it and what authority and all of that. It's just that we have authority in there. Yeah. And two scriptures just to just to help us to understand um, what we have in there. Uh, um, Matthew 28 from verses 18 to 19. Matthew 28, 18 to 19. Very known scripture. We call it the, the Great Commission in, 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 in theological terms. Um, Jesus came up and said to them, all authority, all power of absolute rule. And I loved that. Because what, what that conveys to us, the position that Christ has in the heavenly realms, all, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So it's his say that counts. Nobody else's say is his say that counts. And then can you imagine that we are seated in him? We are in him sharing in that authority with him, right? It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. But it's not. I'm not making it up. It's what the scripture says. And then he then says, go therefore in that authority that we should go therefore. And he gives us a task. I'm not necessarily after the tasks today. That's it's the, the, for another day. But here we are. It's just to understand that the authority that he has is delegated authority to us to go into the world and to do something. Yeah. Luke 10 19 also tells us again another dimension of the authority that we have. See, so this authority, the first one we looked at in Matthew 28, talks about us and the effect we have on the earth and in the lives of people. The second one talks about the impact that we have 
on forces that are outside of us, those bodiless persons and, 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 and the forces of darkness. He says, listen carefully. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy. And just in case we were not quite um, sure of what, who the enemy is, the scripture helps us and puts Satan in there. And nothing, nothing, I want to underline that nothing will in any way harm you, right? That, those were the words of Jesus Christ. So we see, we see that we have um, authority in two dimensions there, just to just just to just to highlight those specific dimensions. Okay. So also we have been given ministry gifts um, and spiritual gifts. And I, I, I don't really want to spend any time on this one because we know we already have these gifts there. We have the gifts of ministries, we have um um, the, the prophets, the evangelists, we, we, have, we have been given those gifts in there. We have been given individual gifts, uh, the gifts of prophecy, to be able to prophesy, to be able to teach, to be able to be leaders or administrators. And the many versions use different things on there. So we have those gifts given to us already in there. Um, and the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the spirits, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the, 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 uh, of the workings of miracles, and so on. We have been given those gifts. They're there for us. They're not things that we are to go and get. They're things that have already been given to us. Again, we've been given weapons. Yeah? We've been given weapons. Some serious weapons, yeah, some serious weapons we have been given. And the scripture lets us know, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And we see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 5. And that was from the ESV version. So we have weapons. And then we have access. We have access to God. We have access. And I love this one because I love this. I love having access. Um, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, right, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been justified. We have peace with God by that. And through whom, through Jesus Christ, whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You know, he didn't say in which we can stand or in which we will stand, in which we stand. So we're standing in that grace already as a, as a, as a, as a result of our faith in Jesus Christ and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So those are many things that we have been we have been given. Um, we have been given uh, all those, all those um, spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. I want to touch on another type of gift that we've been given, something else that we have been given. 
and I'm going through all of this because this is really just the build up to what we want, what, what's really key for us today in this, in this, in this study. Everything for life and godliness we have been given. And that we see in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Um, it's an awesome read and something that I will recommend that we meditate on um, a fair bit. That's the scripture uh, in first, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, um, I think up to verse 6, I think, or so, 7. Anyway, um, so... Um, but this one, I think it will be useful for me to read because there is something tucked in here which I, I hadn't seen before um, and I picked it up this time around. Uh, praise God, I, I thank him for, for opening my eyes to see it this time around. But um, So I'm going to read it, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And he says, as his, let me read from 2 for context. Let me read from two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse three, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. I'll stop there for now. When I read it, most of the times when I've read it, I've always noticed that um, we that we have he has we have been given all things pertain to life and godliness, and I was satisfied with that. But this time around, when I read it, I noticed the script, the words, through the knowledge of Him, and so that made me think, ah, so the, the things that we have been given for life and godliness is through the knowledge of him. It's not like the gifts that we have been given, which are there. The, the gifts are there. We just need to know and access those gifts. This one, everything we need for life and godliness comes through the knowledge of him, which tells me that we have got to know him so well to be able to live that life uh, and, and, and godliness. And the interesting thing is the word used in there for life is the same word, is the Zoe life. Zoe life, which is the complete life and eternal life. So it it it, it to this time around it, it it caught my attention and I thank the Holy Spirit for that. Um because I went to it, I went the scripture came to mind for life and godliness, but that one picked me up. So I focused on what Jesus said um concerning us and knowing him. And you know. Everybody almost well, the start of his ministry is when he met when his ministry, when he met anyone, he would say, Follow me, follow me. And he says, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So that was what the call he made to the disciples, the same call he made to you and I in terms of coming coming to him and being saved 
by him. Same call, follow me. And then he also then says in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear, listen to my voice. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So that in, in itself begins to show, at least to me, what I picked up from that is that by my knowledge of him, by my knowledge of him, I can follow him. Without the knowledge of him, I can't follow him. Or maybe I can, but not well enough. But by the knowledge of him, I can follow him. So if I don't know him, I can't follow him well enough. Right? Now, the second scripture there, again, that came to mind was this one in Matthew eleven twenty nine, And I'm reading this from the expanded Bible. It says, accept my teachings, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble and, and humble in spirit, heart. Um, and you will find rest for your lives, for your souls. I, 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 I like this scripture because he says, for I am gentle and humble. And of course, um, I admire Jesus's gentleness. I really do admire it. There's a scripture that I is in Isaiah. It says that a smoking flax it will not quench, a broken reed or, or um, it will not break. You know. So he's talking about the gentleness of Jesus Christ when a reed is nearly broken, it's hanging on its last thread. Jesus will not break it, even when he deals with it. He doesn't break it. You know, I, I, it, it's an amazing picture of how gentle he is with each and every one of us. But the key thing here is that uh, the things we need for life and godliness come from the knowledge of him. In there. Okay, so moving on. Again, we have been given precious promises, and that's in Second Peter 1 verse 4, and I will continue reading. It says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we have been given precious promises um, by that. How many promises do you think we have been given? Can anybody guess? How many promises have we been given? Any guesses? Any thoughts? Does anybody know? And don't Google it. Just kidding. Feel free to Google it. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts? Does anybody know? You know, just throw a number at me. 365, one for every day of the year. Nice one. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Nice one. Okay, two of you have oh, 3,000 promises, unlimited promises, right? Yeah, okay, right? 8,000 plus promises. Yeah, there's somebody, 7,000 plus promises. I'm liking all of this, right? Yeah, okay. Somebody did do some work and went through the Bible and recorded all the promises that God wrote in the scriptures. Somebody did that, yes. 8,000 plus indeed, yeah. 
there are 7,487 direct promises of God to mankind in the scripture, according to this work that this person, I think his name is uh, Storms, Storms of Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. So he went through the Bible and cataloged or wrote down all those promises. And he says there are 7,487 promises, direct promises to man. There are over 8,000. So all of you who did over 8,000, yeah, you are absolutely correct. There are over 8,000 promises that are, are in the scripture, but 7,487 were directly to you and I. That's a lot of promises. That's a lot of promises. Yet God says that he is not a man that he should lie. No, he's a human that he will change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it out? No, he's never. Whatever he says is what he does. So we have at least 7,487 promises that God has given us. I'm sure it covers anything that we, we may think or need or want. Somewhere in the scripture, there is a promise towards it. I think we should just give God a clap offering. He is awesome. He is magnificent. I am always amazed when I find out things like this, you know, because it's like, wow, wow, <laughs> wow. So praise God, praise God. And then he says, the scripture says that all these promises, 7,487 of them are for us to be partakers of his divine nature. Ah, God is good. God is awesome. God is magnificent. All these 7,487 direct promises are for us to be partakers of his divine nature. Did you pick that? Did you catch that in there? He wants us to have the same divine nature that he has. He wants us to have the same divine nature that he has. Wow. Wow. God is awesome. Anyway, let's move on. So I don't camp on this one because I can. Uh, normally, if it was just me alone, I would pause and I'll start worshiping right now because it's an, it's, it's an amazing thought that God wants us to have the same divine nature that he has. And so he gives us 7,487 promises. And I know that he keeps every single promise, every promise he makes, he keeps them. He watches over his word to perform it. God is awesome. God is awesome. Okay, so let's move on. So, okay, so now I have all these promises. I have all these things. I have all these gifts. I've, oh, God has given me all of these things. What do I do with them? What do I do? How do I become a witness? How can I walk in the witness, in the five contexts of witnessing? How can I do that? Okay, so let's, let's see what I can glean, what we can glean from scripture. The first thing, and this was very interesting, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit of a story. So, um, two weeks ago, no, not two weeks, was it two weeks ago? Maybe, yeah, it might have been two weeks ago. Um, 
But um, no, last week, last week, Tuesday, last week, Tuesday, say so after the Bible study on Monday. Now, two weeks ago when I when I knew I was going to take it and I asked God, I think I may have said this yesterday, two things came to mind straight away. One was the witness, the scripture, the scripture in Acts chapter one, verse eight. And the second was, what do you have in your hands? Um, and those were the two things that came to my mind. So I knew the first one, the first week was the witness and the context and the second one, but I didn't really know what we we're going to do. And the second was, what do you have in your hands? So um, I was on my way to a client site and I was in the tube and I sat down on the tube and I said, okay, Lord, what are we going to do for the Bible study? And there and then he gave me an outline which is really the outline that we are following today. He gave me the outline of it. And I was so amazed because um, this particular one, seek the Lord with all your heart. I don't think it would have come to my mind. I really don't think so. But um, it came to my mind so clearly as the number one thing. And you know, I was telling my wife, Marenica, that this seek the Lord, the word seek there, to me, the way it sort of landed on me was not, you know, it was almost like, um, you know, someone who is so hungry and so, yeah, so, so determined and this, this is, this, this is everything to him. It's like life. It was, and, and, you know, she thought, she thought, are you not reading something extra into it? And I said, Nah, I'm not quite sure that I am reading something extra into it because that's the way it came to me. It didn't come to me as, you know, seek the Lord, as in, yeah, just, you know, pray. It, it is somebody who is chasing after him, who, you know, wants to spend every single moment, every single time, just all about him, completely focused about him. Uh, I, I, I don't have the words to describe it, but I'm, I'm hoping that you can see that the, the, it's, it's a little bit more than just yeah okay i'm I'm seeking the lord i i, I really don't know how to describe it i'm so sorry but as usual you know um and 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 then Renke said to me say okay what does what does it say in the greek what does the scripture say so i went to have a look um and um the scripture the word translated into english the actual phrase would be something like to search out that would be the or strive after that will be the kind of um, um, phrase that would be used in, in English if you were to try and describe the emotion or the, 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 the action behind that word seek. Um, it's, it's really um, something that, you know, you, 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 you go after, you, you beseech, you beg, you ask. It's, it's like you're overwhelmed by a desire. That's, that's the that's the kind of um, the word that he carries. And the scripture that came to mind was Jeremiah 29, 13. When that word appeared to me, um, when that word came to me, that was the scripture that appeared. And it says, and you will seek me and find me. There goes another promise. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So it's not just searching, it's searching with all our hearts. We will find him when we seek him with all our hearts in there. Um, and again, 
there is another one, another one, and I like this one in First Chronicles 16 and verse 11. First Chronicles 16 verse 11. It says, seek the Lord and his strength. Yearn for and seek his face and to be in his presence continually. Right? Now, if we remember about um, the the um, the um, divine, um, uh, what did you say? The not the precious promises. The all things pertaining to life and godliness. Um, it says by the knowledge of Him, seeking God that way will bring the knowledge of Him. It includes the prayers, our worship reading the Bible, doing exactly what we're doing, digging into his word right now. That's all part of it, but doing it with an intensity that is probably more than I can muster or demonstrate um, in a way. And doing that and seeking his presence continually, wherever we are in everything that we're doing. It's almost like we're consumed by him. That's the kind of way that I would, uh, I guess the best I can muster for, for that. But that's the one thing that came so strongly um, when 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 I was on the train and I was writing and just having a conversation with God about it, and He said, "Seek the Lord with all your heart." So seeking Him um, I, 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 is 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 number one key. Um, the second thing is um, now when He came to me, it came to me as love, but immediately followed by <laughs> you demonstrate the love for God through our obedience to him. So rather than putting love up there, because I know sometimes when we hear the word love, we have different interpretations of what it means. And I didn't want us to be lost in that word love, but it's the obedience that demonstrates our love for him. And there are scriptures that we know. If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. That's John chapter 14, verse 15. And this is from the Amplified Version. But if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey my commandments. But, um, also, and there are benefits of that obedience. Yeah? Um, when, when you obey the commandments, right, we remain or abide in his love. Um, we abide in his love and um, um, just as just as he obeyed his father's commandments and remain in his love or abide in his love. So he's saying to us that um, we should also um, do exactly what it is he did. He obeyed the father and he, abode, abided, abode in his love, and we should also do the same things, obey his commandments. And there's another scripture in John, and I think it's uh, uh, John chapter 15, I think it also says, when he says that um, when if you if you obey his commandments, then the, the father he, the, the father will love us, love us and they will come and make their home, their abode with us. In itself. So there are benefits from obeying the commandments. But the second key thing there is obedience or demonstrating our loves. Thank you. Thank you, Mo. Thank you, my darling wife. Thank you. Um, for um 
demonstrate our love for God through our obedience. Amen. Okay. The third one is to be compassionate. Now, um, I could easily have said in the first one, um, as we demonstrate our love, is love the Lord our God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all the mind and all the strength. Again, deliberately not using that scripture because I don't want us to, I, I guess it, it, for me it was a matter of conveying the fact that it is not necessarily what we think love is, it's the obedience that matters or that counts. In this case, it's the compassion yeah, and the compassion to humanity, to neighbors, to everyone. And um, the Romans chapter 13, verse 10, in the Amplified Version, Romans chapter 13, verse 10 says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. It never hurts anyone. Therefore, unselfish love is the fulfillment of the law. I love that particular scripture um it it, it it just encapsulates everything about loving our neighbors as ourselves in there it never hurts anyone and it's not it's not selfish um galatians 5 14 just make sure i'm not oh i'm running out of time galatians 5 14 um for the whole law concerning human relationships is fulfilled in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, you shall have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefits. Amen? So, um, so we see, so the first, the first one was um, seek God. Second was demonstrate our love through our obedience. Third one is being compassionate. And the fourth one, trust God. This is our faith. Trust God. We just have to trust him. We just have to find the ways to trust him. In there. Yeah. Um, very famous scripture, Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And Jesus said, have faith in God. I like this one because it says, Jesus said to the disciples, and you and I are disciples. We're learners of him. So he's saying the same thing to us. Have faith in God. Let's have that faith in God. Yeah. Um, and again, this is what happens to those who believe. Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. This is what happens to those who have the faith, those who believe. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is the, I, I like the word heritage of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. This is, this is, this is what it is. So when we trust God, when we believe him, when we believe his word, 
um, in there. So those four things, I'll just quickly recap them. Um, seeking God, seeking God draws us closer into that intimate place with him, that we may know him and therefore be able to access and appropriate all the gifts and all the things that we have been given. The second the second one in there was um, obedience, to demonstrate our obedience to God, uh, to demonstrate our love for God by our obedience to his commands, to the things that he asks us to do, to the things that he says we should not do, to the word that he has written in the scripture. The third one is our compassion for other men, uh, other people. Um, and uh, and our unselfish love and concern for those around us, our neighbors, to not do anyone any harm, whether in thought or in action. And the last one, trust God, to us to trust him in there. Now, those things bring us into that place where we can actually then begin to walk in that witness because by that time we would have come so close to God um, and I wanted to sort of use Jesus again as another example but this time picking out aspects of his witness especially where it concerns us as people as, as his as his disciples right by us seeking God by us spending that time chasing him by us spending that time um, searching after him, striving after him, we'll get to know him just like Jesus knew who he was. He knew who he was in Christ. He did not need anybody to tell him. He knew who he was in there. And um, we have the scriptures there to support it. I, I don't necessarily want to, to, to spend time on the, going through those scriptures, but um, Jesus said he was the bread of life. He said he was the true vine. There's a, he knew who he was in there. The same thing when we seek God, we begin to know who we are. We know we begin to know whose we are in there. The second thing was that Jesus served. And um, the perfect example I like in that one is when he washed the feet of the disciples. He served them. But he also served humanity. He served all those that were around him. Whether it was the, the leper, whether it was a woman with adultery, caught in adultery, whether it was the uh, that the men who were involved wanted to stone her, but they left the man at home. Um, um, whether it was um, in feeding the 5,000, he served, he served humanity. Everything, all that he had, the gifts, the... the um, and I say gifts because that's the way I have described it in for us as in the things that we have been given, the spiritual blessings, all the gifts and things that we have. He deployed them for humanity's sake. He used them to serve humanity. This is the second thing. So um, uh, the third thing here is that he lived as a human. So he did not go around like I am. I am God, um, you know, I am, I, we see his humility in how he lived as a human being. Despite who he was, despite him knowing who he was, he lived as a human being. When it was time to weep, he wept. Jesus wept. We know that John eleven thirty five. we know he wept. He was hungry like we get hungry, yeah? Because, of course, in Mark 11, 
verse 12, he was hungry when he was coming from Bethany to, to Jerusalem and he saw the fig tree. We know the story. So he was hungry, right? And Hebrews 4.15, actually it might be useful to read this one, Hebrews 4.15. Um, let, me, let, me, let me bring that one up. Hebrews 4.15. And it says, Hebrews 4.15, um, um, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weak weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. I, I, I love that because it tells us and shows us that Jesus was human like us. You know, the Amplified Version puts it this way, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Um, and that's a hope for us, at least for me. I, I take hope in that, that, okay, Jesus was, he did it as a human being. So that means there's hope for me that I can do it as well in there. And that's part of our witness is that we live the lives that like human beings, but without sin. So the world cannot point fingers at us to say, ah, I thought you were a Christian. And the last one, um, Jesus walked Oh, I said walked. It's supposed to be walked, as in walk, W-A-L-K, not W-O-R-K. That's, that's an error for me. Jesus walked in the power of God. He walked in the power of God. Um, 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 uh, he, we, we know um, he, he, he did many, many, many miracles um, in there. Acts 10, 20, uh, 38 tells us how... God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And I dare say that we ourselves, we have the Holy Spirit upon us. We shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We, that we will be witnesses, just like he was a witness, the faithful witness. We also can and would be witnesses if we walk in that same witness, if we walk in, even if it's just these four areas that Jesus that I picked out here, and we can do that, then we will be able to walk in, in that witness in there. So that's, that's, um, that's really it. I think that's the end of it for me today. Um, I hope, I know it was a lot in there, but the key things I, um, I, I would encourage us to recognizing there are those four things seek god obey him be compassionate and trust trust him trust god in there those four things i believe would help us to walk in as witnesses so thank you all it's eight o'clock um on the dot thank you all for um for joining in today i hope i hope it's been useful i hope it's picked your interest i hope it's challenged as well because i was greatly challenged i can tell you um so thank you all thank you all god bless you thank you god bless you god bless you all thank you so much i really do appreciate it um let's go and walk
the walk of a witness so that God will be glorified through our lives. Have a great rest of the evening and see you all next week by the grace of God. 